Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. I am super excited for today's conversation. You know, every week we try to bring you a leader who will both inspire and equip you. And today is no exception. Uh, it's our honor to have Vivian Bechtold with us. She is from Crossroads Church, uh, which is one of those churches that you should be following along for a lot of reasons. And today we're going to dive deep uh, into that. Uh, Crossroads was founded in 1996. It has somewhere around 10 campuses. Uh, their physical locations are in Ohio in Kentucky. Uh, they also have some great stuff going on in correctional institutions. Uh, and there's a whole bunch we want to talk about today. They are, they are an incredible church. Darren Yates, uh, who is their executive pastor, we've had on uh, the show in the past. So we'd reference back to that if you ever want to get more kind of context. But Vivian, welcome to the show. We're so glad you're here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. Now, I, uh, so there's the thing I love, there's so much I love about Crossroads, but one of the things I love is the work that you're doing. So you're, you're involved in kind of leadership development. You have this internal studio. It's an internal agency that works on marketing, analytics, all that stuff. How do you describe when you're talking to someone and they say, oh, you work for Crossroads, what do you say you do? <laughs> well, as I was saying, I, I've only been on staff for about, four and a half years and my job has changed six times. So I do whatever people ask me to do. Yes. Um, <laughs> whatever Darren tells on, you need. <laughs> I'm on the leadership team and I say I run the our internal agency uh, called the studio. And then mm. within that we have leadership development as part of that. But it's an mm. internal agency that helps us to bring together different expertise areas to help our church be um, effective at bringing in more people into relationship with Jesus. Love it. Now, one of the things we were talking about before we went to air, um, for folks that don't know, uh, Crossroads is not only one of the largest churches in the country, but they're also uh, one of the fastest growing. And um, you were sharing what I found is just a you know, staggering statistic. So at Easter this year, just a few weeks ago, you hosted 20,000 people in person. So that's like old school in campuses, in buildings, yes. but then um, had 54,000 online viewers actually complete your entire Easter experience online. So watch the entire thing. Obviously, on top of that, there was a couple million other people that kind of saw it or saw part of it uh, to give you a sense of the scale. That's uh, that's amazing. That's incredible. Yeah, we were blown away by the response. And so we're, we're trying to figure out how we have an online church presence and how we have um, sites that are growing. So, right. And how do those all work together? Yeah, that's great. So I'd love to kind of talk a little bit about um, how you're using uh, data at Crossroads. One of the things as an outsider looking in, um, I've been impressed with uh, the church's commitment to uh, making you know data-informed decisions. And how, how do you balance those things out? How do you make data-informed decisions that are also God-focused, that, keep, that aren't just about like some mechanics, but are, are somehow interweaving together? How, how does that, what does that look like for Crossroads? Great. Well, I have to first profess that it, part of it is skewed by my background. So 
I told you I came on about four and a half years ago, and I spent 27 years in industry, in the marketing industry, working for Procter & Gamble. And so I, I came on staff with a brand management marketing mindset. And when we market things, we are very data-driven. And it's not just numbers, but it's really being curious about people and the mm. insights behind them. So I would say at Crossroads, we have been for you know, many years, very good at wigs, like measurable goals. But when we would make decisions about, you know, what topic do we want to talk about and what do we call it? And what do we think the person sitting in the seat, what is the perspective that they're coming from? A lot of that was gut before. Right. Um, Intuition or like, just like, Brian thinks it feels like this. Let's do it that way. You know, yes. that kind of stuff. It's and, typical. And, That's typical. And I would say we had a pretty good understanding of that if you're close to your folks. Yes. But, but as, you know, technology has advanced and there's so many things that you can know about people, it would seem foolish actually not to use that information to speak mm. more more um, appropriately and relevantly to people. So we started out by having a very short, small um, kind of two-person research team that would mm -hmm. go out and do what we would call focus groups and one-on-ones <laughs> and things that could help us understand things better. And we also then grew to have an analytics team that actually mined our data about like mm -hmm. who is coming and what parts of the area they're from, what are their ages, what are their demographics, that kind of thing. And between the, what I say, that qualitative and that quantitative, it starts to put together a picture of things. So, mm -hmm. for example, we as a church had said that we are about, you know, connecting seekers with a community of growing Christ followers who are changing the world. And when we talk about seekers, we would say, who is the, who's that seeker? And we knew it was a young guy that was kind of 25 to 35 years old. That was our kind of design target. Not that we didn't want everybody else, but we knew that that was somebody that most churches weren't really mm. reaching well. And so we said, we just need to go learn more about them. And so right. we went into places like uh, bars and places that they would mm -hmm. hang out to be able to interview and get to know them better. And ultimately invited like a dozen of them to come and actually attend one of our service, actually two of our services mm -hmm. and talk to us about the experience. So enlightening about mm. what they saw, what connected with them, what turned them off. And, and so things like that then helped us to structure what should the experience be from our team that meets people in the parking mm -hmm. lot to the people that, um, that are in the atrium before they even go into a service. So we started to use research and data to be able to design experiences for people that would make mm. them feel welcomed and make mm -hmm. them feel like they could understand the language we were talking. Yeah, I love that. Maybe we're sticking with that as an example. Were there a few things that you can remember where either insights that came from uh, that process or some learnings that that shifted the behavior of the church that actually like, oh, here's some things we need to change uh, because of what we've learned through, through uh, you know, this, the, both the kind of data side of it and then the analysis of it? Yeah. So I'll give you two examples. One would be the new people, these, these guys, we, we actually call them Wayne because one of the guys was named Wayne. Um, <laughs> when they came, they didn't park in our parking lot because they actually mm. parked across the street so they wouldn't have to deal with our parking. And so we, we figured out that actually our parking people were their greeters. 
The people that they passed as they were walking into the building were their first taste at what people at Crossroads were like. And so we, we were able to talk to our, our parking people and then the people that serve coffee, um, to mm. say, Hey, these, this is how you look out for a new person and this is how you make them feel welcomed and that kind of thing. And they, so versus the functional role, they, actually had to take on a different kind of role. Um, hmm. A second example would be uh, the order of the service. Cause we learned that like when we start, we start with worship. And for someone who was brand new, when we just break into worship, they're kind of like, what's going on here? What, yeah, what is and, this? Yeah. Right. And so yeah. we learned that you, we needed to start with something that would help connect people who were coming in with what was going to happen the rest of the mm-hmm. time, because for them, actually, worship was not the thing that was the most meaningful to them. The, the teaching was the thing that they really connected to. Right. So we needed to get them to actually stay past the worship to mm-hmm. the teaching. And so we, we just refigured the way we started services. Yeah, I love that. I, uh, I I was I was joking with you earlier. I it was I was talking to someone at Crossroads recently, and they um they uh, that was on your leadership team, and they it just peaked up, parked or wow, I can't speak today. It twigged my ears because they said, "Hey, uh, like oh, we'll get our data analytics team to look at that." And I was like, "That is not a sentence you hear often in uh, church leadership circles," which I just love. So, how do we use? Um, you know, marketing capabilities to help grow a church. So how, how are you thinking about that? So that would be getting, you know, kind of attracting new people, but then also at the same time, helping people that are in the church actually mature. So we are, our churches, we're not looking to just have people arrive, but then we want those people to take steps closer to Jesus. What are you learning? Uh, how is this, these kind of marketing capabilities or the data capabilities, uh, helping the church with that? Great. So, um, first of all, I would say we didn't like jump full force into marketing. We had what probably most churches would have like a communications department and yep. that had good design and did a lot of email and website stuff. What we found out through some of our research is that our strongest marketing tool was our people inviting their friends. Right. So understanding that it was things like letting our people know what was coming up a little mm-hmm. sooner and giving mm-hmm. them things that they could share either on social media or through emails and things to be able to invite other people because people would not want to invite people unless they thought what was coming up was going to really resonate with that. So if they knew the topic area and some sound bites and things that, that would be interesting to their friends, we were equipping them better. So that's, mm-hmm. that's one of the things that we did. I think the other thing is we started to realize that um, in addition to inviting, there was just the natural when people were searching for us. And I mm-hmm. don't know if this has landed on you, but the name Crossroads is actually a fairly common name, yes. not yes. only for churches, but for like health organizations and workout organizations and things. And so we learned um, to do things with our SEO strategy and some other things so that if people were looking for us, they would be able to find us more easily. Mm-hmm. Those are mm-hmm. marketing techniques that are maybe more subtle. Um, mm-hmm. And then we, then we started to get into other things like, do we do direct mail? And we have done things like direct mail for things like Easter or Christmas, where we really want to, you know, encourage new people to come in, um, 
where they might naturally come in. Whereas Mm -hmm. since those are times that people think about coming to church. So Mm -hmm. that's part of it is to start to figure out what are the capabilities that we need that work with the natural dynamics of how our people interacted with our church. Yeah, I love, so there's so much that you said here today that I love. One of the things that I don't want the listeners to miss is, so think about it, this is a very large church. You know, most of the churches that are listening are not that large. And we're asking the same thing in our church, which is how do we motivate our people to invite their friends? How do we uh, encourage our people ultimately to to grow? And like, don't miss that, friends. Like so many of us think it's some magic Facebook strategy or some other thing, but actually it's that is what it is at its core. Now there's lots of ways we can do do that. But at its core, that's a huge takeaway for us. What are we doing to help our people uh, invite their friends? Now, one of the things I, I've over the years, so I've followed Crossroads for years. I um, And I, I used to, I loved the old uh, coffee cup website. There was for yes. years, the front of the website had a coffee cup on it. And the coffee at Crossroads is amazing. If you're ever there, it's a, it's a, it's a great experience, uh, but well worth the sip. Um, and, but recently you guys have gone, undergone a rebrand. You've actually repositioned and I've pointed multiple churches church leaders, I've said, listen, I don't know any other church that nails visually and from a brand point of view that um, the target that uh, I think you're going for, this this idea of born for adventure, this kind of um, that, that male that you talked about, Wayne. Um, and so how have you helped the church stay relevant and interesting to people who don't attend church on a regular basis? Everyone that's listening in is wondering that. And it would seem like uh, Crossroads, Crossroads has been able to do that and, and has done it for over an extended period of time. But what are you doing to help, uh, really help the church stay on top of that issue, g- keeping people who don't attend church wanting to come? Yeah, that's interesting. So I would tell you when we first launched Crossroads, which is like 25 years ago, I think a lot of our seekers were people who had some church familiarity. So mm. you, we were trying to say, you know, this is a place for people who have given up on church, but not given up on God. And they had some mm. reference for that. I think today we're really faced with the people that we want to have come in the door may have never grown up in church or had any context mm. for church. And maybe their parents didn't either. So mm. we even started out with that idea of what does church mean to those folks and how do you make that relevant? And so uh, we... We had done these go trips, these serving trips with this tagline, Born for Adventure, Mm -hmm. and people really sparked to that. And so because of that, in the rebrand, we ended up elevating to that, that being about our church overall. And Mm -hmm. then we um, had coined a new phrase, which we're calling spiritual outfitters. So, you know, if you're familiar with REI and camping Mm -hmm. and outdoors, our church is very into it, particularly because our senior pastor is. And so Mm -hmm. we said, what if we could talk about Crossroads as being the spiritual outfitters that equips Mm -hmm. and guides you through this adventure um, to follow God that, you know, that you were made for. And so Mm -hmm. we just adopted language that we thought was more in the vocabulary of Mm -hmm. average everyday people, including Wayne. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. and then to be able to, uh, to start to show visuals and use language that, um, that goes around that. So we talk a lot about guiding in our church because of that and how you guide from the time you're in the parking lot to guiding people when they join groups or Mm -hmm. guiding people as they start to really grow in their faith instead of saying discipling or some other language that's Mm -hmm. for those of us who've been church, we understand, but other people would go, what, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So there's so much I love there. How has the research process informed that repositioning? Because I think to me, that is so super strong. And I would encourage folks to, to check out your website, crossroads.net. And, and that um, the idea of being a spiritual outfitter, and that really has followed all the way through to like every graphic and all that. It really is super well aligned, which we'll get to in a minute. How do you do that? Um, but how has the research informed that process? What, you know, did you test that with, with some folks? Have you, you know, kind of how has that, um, yeah, what is, how has that impacted as you've been kind of repositioning in that direction? Yeah, actually, we knew that this rebrand was, um, was going to be super important and we wanted to allow our creatives. We have a great mm -hmm. group of creatives who normally develop a lot of our branding and create creative, um, approaches for the name of the teaching series or the products. Mm -hmm. We call them products, the offerings mm -hmm. that we have. But we actually worked with an outside agency that helped us frame up what we'll say two visual concepts. And one was this spiritual outfitters idea. And then we went this other direction, which was like spiritual accelerator, thinking about business mm -hmm. accelerators and using that language. And then mm -hmm. we actually tested those concepts with hmm. people who didn't go to church. And we did this testing that where we, we wrote out the concept and we had visuals and everything where they could highlight the hot spots for them, both in terms of what they liked and didn't like. So we could see the language and the visuals that appealed to people. And we could break it out by men, women, the age group, different things like that, so that we could actually hone in on the things that we felt we're going, going to appeal most to our target and most broadly. And that's how we ended up with the visuals that we, we did. Fascinating. And, and how has, um, how does the studio ensure, and I may not be asking this question correctly because I, I may not be uh, categorizing the studio correctly within, uh, the church leadership, but how do you ensure such uh, alignment and clarity around this? Because it's one thing to say, okay, we're going to reposition in this direction. It's another thing to actually push it to execution right down to, you know, every piece and, you know, to the, you know, the font on the app and all of that. How have you ensured that process uh, actually, you know, to actually follow it through? Great question. So first of all, I would say in the process of developing the rebrand, we involved people from the different parts, like from the teaching team and the design team and the marketing team. So they were really mm -hmm. bought into the process. And mm -hmm. then to make sure that the broader staff and people that were making decisions could make decisions consistent with that, our design team put out rebrand guidelines which talked right. about these fonts, these kinds of visuals. We do this, we don't do this. And mm -hmm. also because, you know, we had a, a, you know, former branding that we were moving from what things we were keeping and what things we were actually moving away from. And so that team sees almost everything that goes out. Um, mm -hmm. but because they've done a really good job of putting those guidelines together so that everybody, um, knows the guardrails, most people keep things within, within those guardrails pretty well, but we think yeah. that's really important. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And sure. And I think that's where oftentimes a rebrand like that falls apart. It's, it looks great when you've got it on the, it's like the, the 
boardroom presentation. Wow, that looks great. But then it's like six months later, oh, we just are not, we're, we're, we haven't been able to, to, to push it to its logical uh, conclusion. Yeah, you know, we, how- did, we did everything from, we repainted buildings and changed signs on the outside wow. because those are our billboards. Those are our permanent billboards, right? right. We, and to the re- repainted insides, we um, put in, you know, kind of new visuals and things that with it and all the digital assets, our, everything from our website to our apps, to our social media identities mm-hmm. and things, we, we turn them all over. Yeah, that's fascinating. So uh, uh, there is um, this idea out there that churches, to be able to get over the 20 year kind of plateau, like a lot of churches plateau after, you know, they have the kind of the same leader for 20 years, and then they'll begin to plateau, they need to reinvent themselves. It's fascinating to me that this happened around in that kind of 20 to 25 years, a similar kind of thing. What What was the impetus on the front end? Like what led the drive to say, hey, we've got to um, you know, it would appear as an outsider is like, hey, this thing's working. Let's keep rolling it as opposed to saying this isn't working. Let's uh, let's fix it. What was it that kind of drove ultimately the church to say we need to uh, to rebrand to, re- to do such a major repositioning? It's a great question. Um, so what happened is I, I did an offsite to look at our branding and we reflect, this was in like 2019 and we were looked at mm-hmm. all the creatives from the weekends and many of our ministries and that kind of thing. And, you know, w- our observations were our marketing and our branding for those, what we call them products or offerings mm-hmm. was more exciting and more energizing than our crossroads brand itself. And there were things like we were, Blue and white, which actually is very corporate with lowercase letters, Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. um, not very much dynamic. And we had identified our brand personality as unfiltered, fun, and fearless. I mean, if you know Hmm. our senior pastor, it's very much a reflection of him, but it is is what our church is. And so we said, does our brand look unfiltered, fun, and fearless? And we were like, no, it doesn't. And then we also noticed that the different pieces all looked very different. They didn't like ladder up together because the core brand and the design of it wasn't strongly pulling them together. That Mm. made us say, it's time for a rebrand. So then we could all go after this, um, New Born for Adventure spiritual outfitters. We have orange as our primary color against mm-hmm. the blue background, which is bringing mm-hmm. our history and the new forward. And mm-hmm. so our new color palette just was able to be much more dynamic and energizing mm-hmm. and fitting with what we wanted to project, which was the personality of our church. Yeah, that's fascinating. I wonder if, because um, I've seen this in other churches where it's like early on, the church is trying to project uh professionalism and like, you can trust us. And so we lean more corporate, but then actually eventually our size ultimately, if the church continues to grow, can actually become a detriment. And it's like, oh, we've got to, we don't have to convince anybody we're corporate. That's not our problem anymore. We've got to, we we have to reposition that and kind of change people's expectations um, or, and maybe better align with where, you know, where the church is at. That's interesting. Fascinating. So when you think about the future, so you look up over the horizon, you think, 
like, okay, we've, you know, made some great uh, changes and decisions. You know, you've been trying to use a data-informed approach to make God-focused decisions. What, what's the future look like? What are some areas in the church where you think, oh, here are some things that we might, uh, you know, we might need to be rethinking or reworking on using this approach to help us improve, to reach more people, to see people take steps closer to crisis, uh, to tr- not to crisis, to Christ, uh, and, uh, you know, and lead them on their spiritual adventure. So how, how are you, what kind of, what do you, when you look up over the horizon, what, where's your mind lead you to where, where things are going next? Well, I will tell you, our, our senior pastor actually talked about this, and I think it's so true. He talks about like restarting our church. You know, I mm-hmm. think when you've been around 25 years, you can feel like, hey, we're growing and we're really comfortable. And we're a church that really wants to be trailblazing and innovative. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about restarting the church, it's not, you know, wiping everything and, you know, walking away from it, but it is really challenging uh, some of the things that we've been doing and saying, you know, do we need to look at that differently? Do we need to, for example, give more freedom to online church to maybe make some different decisions than our sites would? Um, mm. In our sites, we used to have a ministry that was called First Impressions. Mm-hmm. And um, because, you know, the first impression was when they would come to a parking lot or come in the door. But now first impressions happen when they're online or they listen to our service online. So when they're coming in, they're wanting to connect. And so we said, mm-hmm. oh, so we need to re, re um, shift that so that, mm-hmm. that the, what we do looks different. So we, um, from a marketing standpoint, we're saying, so what do we want their experience to be like? Um, when they come in and is it all weekend centered, you know, really mm-hmm. uh, in this environment, are we doing things to more talk to people and, um, hit them at times where they're more receptive, which may or may not be Sunday morning, because you remember Sunday morning right. is the best time because if you had a church background, that's, but we've learned through COVID that people are doing different things and Sunday mornings actually may be more family time. And I don't think we're walking away from weekend services or Sunday services or anything like that, but we're using our data to say, when do people like to watch our services online? And is that an indicator of actually other times that they would like to engage and, and, and have the teaching and would they come in the building more to do groups or community events or serving things than to come mm-hmm. in for um, for t- listening to teaching, which now they have an yes. alternative at home. So, yeah. yeah. Love it. I love it. Are there any... So one of the things I've been saying to churches is, hey, let's not give up the lessons that we learned um, during this season, whatever this season is, the COVID season, whatever that is, um, and try to apply the lessons that we, we saw firsthand with even a church who, who maybe has not done online before and, you know, maybe they're, I don't know, a thousand people. They're not, they didn't, they didn't have 50,000 people at their Christmas. They had a thousand people or their Easter, but they, you've got data now that tells you what people think of your service. More data now than you had a year ago. Um, we know we can see where people drop off in our weekend experiences when they're yes. online. Um, it, it, have there been any insights through this season? about what, when we were more primarily online, that Crossroads is using to um, kind of impact their in-person experiences. They're saying, okay, like you gave the example, and, and maybe that's the maybe that's the apropos one, the, hey, we moved the teaching up front, we kind of front-end loaded the weekend experience, tried to get to that faster, so because that's why people are here. Have there been any, any other of those experiences over this last year that you've learned, mm, hey, it seems like 
this maybe is helping our people more that is now impacting the way you're doing in person as you're kind of relaunching that part of of your ministry yes so we know we know things like kids ministries huge draw for people to come in Um, we know that people um, have felt very isolated. And so we found that like our, some of the serving things that we've done, because we have a huge local community impact and global um, program that we do, that people will show up for doing things mm-hmm. like that um, mm-hmm. because they want to be engaged. And as they show up, they want to not just do the activity, but they want to engage with people and they want to connect with them and they want to feel like things are kind of back to normal in terms of relationships. And so knowing that we've been, we've been designing things, including our 25th anniversary celebration that's coming up. We're going to do a weekend for that around actually allowing people to lean into those things so that hopefully everybody comes back for that weekend. Yeah, love it. This has been so. This has been a fantastic conversation. There's so much we could talk uh, about. There's so much we could dig in. Um, I, I know you had a book recommendation for us. Uh, was there a book that you'd love to kind of recommend that people, if they're if they're looking to kind of dig in more uh, on these issues, uh, tell us a little bit about it and why do you recommend it? Okay, so I have to tell you, I am a little bit biased, but it's actually written by my sister, who yeah, is. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> she was an executive at Sony, and she has a lot of brand background. And it's called "What Great Brands Do," and it's seven brand building principles that separate the best from the rest. And she, what she did is, she did a lot of case studies of different brands and looking at at what they do well and what made them different. And she distilled it down to these seven principles. And so I will say that for someone who's thinking about, you know, maybe marketing or brands um, on the newer side of that, I think this book mm-hmm. is helpful because it it starts with things with, it starts on the inside, which is, mm-hmm. you know, understanding your brand, your staff understanding your brand. It should be affect the way that staff interacts. And out of the um, kind of our own understanding of the brand, it flows into then the things that we do to serve attenders that come in. But it isn't something you do on the outside commercially to, you know, switch what bait and switch people. It really comes Mm -hmm. out of an authentic, what do we stand for and how do we best communicate and represent that to people in a way that makes them interested in our church. That's great. And it's nice to give your sister a plug. That's great. Yes. I don't know that my brother would give a plug for my book. So that's good. I appreciate you. Oh, and <laughs> doing so, so her name is Denise Lee Yan. So it's what great, great brands do. Perfect. And we'll link to that in the show notes. I would encourage people to, uh, you know, to pick this up. Well, just as we're coming to land the episode, is there anything else you'd love to share as we, uh, as we close up today? Um, I would start by saying, I think Part of what our, our journey has been on is not being afraid of change mm-hmm. and being very curious, being curious. And that's what leads to the questions that helps you understand better about mm-hmm. both the people that you have in your building that you're trying to minister to and the people that you're trying to, to bring in. And then there is a statement I would say that there's fruits in the roots, which means mm. the things that are at the root of who you are, that those things don't change. And as long, and if you understand those things and just figure out how do you bring them to life in new and fresh ways for folks, I think mm. those three things will, will lead churches to a direction that will hopefully help them all grow. Love it. Vivian, this has been a uh, 
Great. Thank you so much for uh, for being here today. I'd encourage people to follow along. If people want to follow the church, where, where do we want to send them? How, where, do, where would be the best place for us to send them online? Crossroads.net. That's our URL. We also have a um, an app, which is called Crossroads Anywhere. So you could download the app or, and take a look at our website. And we have a concierge in there. So if you have questions, chat in your questions and stuff, and we would be happy to have the right people connect with you to, to help answer things that we've learned that might help others. Perfect. Uh, thanks so much, Vivian. I appreciate you being here today. Thanks for, for helping us out. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.